And welcome everyone to episode of the Performance School Podcast. I'm Tom Roberts, your host and your co-host, Jay Later. I was going to let you talk, but I just feel I've been a dick. Yeah, I noticed you're just taking over. It's like, oh, look, Tom's <laughs> put on his big boy pants or had to have um his wife put them on for him because he struggles with basic living skills. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. She gets me, <laughs> she's the one who gets me dressed in the morning. It's better than the kids. I could imagine... Um, I could imagine Amelia doing your um face paint. I mean makeup. Yeah. Actually she's a pretty good makeup artist. Yeah, it doesn't mean she doesn't want to do it funny on you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Um, So what are we getting into? So what well first of all we're gonna have we're gonna talk um aftermath of SummerSlam and how we went for our bet. And then I've got some questions for Tom now. He has no idea about these questions, but they're all regarding Australian music. That's all the information I'm going to give him and just let him um, panic a little bit during the um, intro music. So um, let's do the intro music and then talk some shit. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Before It Was Cool podcast. And we're back. And as I've, we were saying before, we we're going to talk um, Fallout of SummerSlam to begin. Um, so there was a few big returns on SummerSlam and after SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, the biggest ones at the SummerSlam pay-per-view being the return of Brock Lesnar um, as a face, apparently. The return yeah. of Becky Lynch as a heel. And was there another return? No, that was about it. Oh, no, it's just around the same time CM Punk came to AEW and returned to wrestling, and um, that was the big number three in all the returns that happened that weekend. And and Daniel Bryan is to come, they think, next weekend at All Out. Yeah, that's what they're thinking. But, um, yeah, anyway, we're talking SummerSlam, not talking about what we're looking forward to. Um, Yeah. so, yeah, in the end, our bet, we ended up a tie, didn't we? Yeah, we drew, motherfucker. Even, yeah. like, right down, if you wanted to take it down to the match stipulations, I won. Yeah, because uh, I match, said there'd be some comments. shenanigans and stuff. You said the Seamus uh, Damian Priest match or Andy DQ, it didn't. He went on yeah. clean as a whistle. Yeah, which was good for Damian Priest. I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. Just to help build up a new star in the company. And um, I think the other thing I said was that Drew McIntyre would win by shenanigans, but then I saw that um, Veer and Shanky weren't allowed at ringside, so I was like, oh, no. Yeah, he wasn't clean as a whistle with that yeah. stupid sword flail at the end. What was going to do, a decapitated dude? Yeah, like, I mean, what's next? Jinder Mahal brings a gun to the ring? Like, it it sets a pretty bad precedence of trying to go for the one-upmanship. Like, I understand having props and all that, but a weapon is... And a non-wrestling weapon at that. Yeah, I know. I know, right? It's mm. friggin'... Yeah. But the, uh, the Becky Lynch return, they did it wrong. I'm just stating it right now. They did it wrong. The yeah, crowd I... isn't ready to boo her. Just like in 01, how the crowd weren't ready to boo Stone Cold yet. The crowd is not ready to mm. boo Becky Lynch. Well, the thing is, she wanted to come back as a heel. 
She did. She did. But there were so many easier ways to do that. Bring her back. Have a really good match with uh, Bianca Belair. Have her win the belt. And then turn heel on SmackDown. I don't know. I think having a good match and then something major heel to win the belt would have been the way to do a turn. Yeah, true, true, true. But not beating the woman that you built up as one of the faces of your company for the past, like, what is it, eight months? And then have Mm. her squashed out by a returning Becky Lynch who hasn't seen the inside of a ring since February last year. Yeah, exactly. And I think the big thing, and I think what they're going to be doing, setting it up for, is because Becky Lynch is so well-established, is they're going to have... Bianca Belair go the underdog story, which they've done so many times, which there's a reason they do it so many times, it works. But it's going to be such a huge push for her, and I don't know if people will grow tired of it because she's already been champion once. That being said, the only real competition she's had is Sasha Banks. True, true. I mean, like, like, sorry, they could have built it to such those two women couldn't pull a five-star match out of their ass easily. And oh, they absolutely. wasted it. But, uh, yeah, I don't think they needed as big a squash. <coughs> I don't what think I it needed a squash at all. Mm. Have a good competitive match. Even have it end with, like... I, know, I wish it could have been a Sasha Banks interruption sort of thing. And Sasha Banks... Inter- like, or whoever, one of the heels, interrupt... Um, beat down Bianca and you see Lynch just smirk and walk off. Yeah. So that could have been... Or even having the opportunity to help but then smirk and walk off. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the smirk and walk off. They're not helping out. They're not saving the face. They're letting the heel do their thing and just like, huh, suck shit, yeah. walk off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, the other big return being Brock with a very interesting look, looking like a the evolved form of Dean Ambrose. How can this dude look scarier? I don't get it. Like, to me, Ponytail Brock is more intimidating. And I don't get how that is even possible. Um, Because I think it's because most of the time you insult someone with a man bun, they're not going to do anything about it. You do that to Brock and it's like, oh, shit, yeah. I'm in trouble. But he looks leaner as well. Like, obviously, all reports are saying that he didn't know until like a week before that he was returning at SummerSlam or even Mm. a couple of days before. So he wasn't working out his usual regiment, but fuck me, does it look good. Mm. That also being said, like the fact that he was more clothed, like usually he's like trunks and shirtless. Like this, he does look leaner because like the black makes him look leaner, the... Like all that, so yeah. But um, but here's here's my idea for Brock going forward, and I love it because Brock needs a mouthpiece. He's he has moments on the mic, but he's not a consistent mic person. His voice honestly doesn't have a huge amount of intimidation factor. He Um, was all right in O three. Yeah, he's he wasn't great. mm, What I would love to see, Brock's walking through backstage. You see Reggie running past. (laughs) <laughs> Brock simply puts out his arm and clotheslines him. R-Truth pins him, thanks him, becomes his manager. <laughs> uh, you really want to see R-Truth and Brock Lesnar work together, don't you? Well, Brock loves it. I think 
R-Truth is just so damn entertaining at the moment. Him being Brock's mouthpiece, because he's great on the mic and playing off Heyman and even trying to impersonate and take the piss out of Heyman. I think it would set up for some really amusing moments because Heyman's magic on the mic. The back and forth there, um, it also helps secure Heyman as being with Roman Reigns because, oh, Brock's moved on. He doesn't need me because that's one thing they're teasing a bit of um, like, oh, who, where does Heyman's loyalties lie? Yeah. He stays there. But then you have well, R-Truth just doing all these sort of shenanigans sort of things, but even having Brock also act in a way as Truth's muscle to keep him protected for the 24-7 championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. Because it creates some really amusing moments of this character who's so damn serious but when he does have his comical moments, they're great. Like um, when he had the Beast Box, when he had the Money in the Bank thing, he was just playing up to that. When he had the um, – after he won the championship and he had a Mexican fiesta to celebrate it, like Brock has got some humorous moments, and I think R-Truth would be the one to really bring them out and play up to it. Yeah, yeah, that could work. It's uh... – it's all depending on the mood that Brock's in, though. Like the fact that he came down to the in ring the past that he doesn't like working with certain people on certain days. So if he's up for a long storyline with our truth, then that will work. Mm. Well, he's actually said before that he wants to work with our truth more. Like he actually broke character in ring, laughing because of our truth entertaining him. <laughs> um, so I would love to like. I think it could be a really like. Beast Brock is just so done. Like, yeah. Like, his moveset was so one dimensional as well. You rarely saw any character other than, don't give a shit about this, just give me a title, gonna kill you, move on. Yeah. This adds that next degree and a bit of development in the character where, and like the fact that he came, as he was coming down to the ring, he was slapping hands and stuff like that. He was doing all the face stuff. Putting him with Art Truth, who is a very popular babyface, it will just boost that face credibility. It will, it will. I, I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm noticing, and a lot of other people aren't. Some people are talking about it. There's similarities between, as far as Paul Heyman goes, during this storyline and the CM Punk from 2013 storyline. And it's been called a little bit reactional by WWE uh, for the CM Punk debut in AEW. Of mm. Where does Paul Heyman's uh, loyalty lie, CM Punk or Brock Lesnar? What happens if those two face? And the whole thing yeah. rolled out. It's a very similar storyline here with Brock and Roman. But I believe that uh, Paul will stay with the bloodline. He, yeah, he should. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, more interesting than anything else they can do, and it's less overplayed. Though, um, like yeah, they got to keep Paul there, like because like the Usos aren't bad on the mic. Roman has his moments on the mic, but Heyman's the one that carries that team vocally, and his sniveling, like um, crony almost in the situation is always entertaining. Yeah. And to have him versus Brock and saying the opposite of what he's been saying for all those years. Or like, even like, you used to be the beast. You used to be the monster. You used to be the final boss. 
And now hey, you, you still could be, except you have to recognize the head of the table. Yeah. Where do we keep beasts outside? The head of the table is a beast slayer. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, I've also got a pitch coming out of SummerSlam for Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns. But mm-hmm. this one, I haven't really heard many people talking about, like, by many, I mean, like, literally zero. And it's weird to me that my punile brain thought of this, but no one else has yet. And I'm sure that WWE had thought of it, and I believe they're going in this direction. Uh, Bobby Lashley is being built up as a as a Kingslayer, pretty much. He's He dominated Kofi Kingston and put him on the shelf. He dominated Xavier Woods in the cell last year. He dominated Bill Goldberg at uh, SummerSlam. He's dominated everyone he's gone in front of. Roman Reigns has dominated everyone he's gone in front of. He's the head of the table. Uh, he's the biggest star. I don't know, like... Or There's sorry, something... maybe not dominated, but he's won against everyone put in front of him. Mm. At WrestleMania, there has been some dodgy he'll... stuff that he's done, and like, yeah. like he's been a bit more okay. The refs not looking style win, whereas Bobby Lashley has been the only time yeah. he'll get DQ'd is for getting too brutal. Yeah, exactly. And whereas whereas Roman, Roman Reigns has had the low blow moments, he's had like the fact that he did tap out to Daniel Bryan when the ref wasn't looking, do anything to win kind of champion. These two are being built up as these two people, those reigns will never end. My theory is at next year's Survivor Series, so not the 2021, but 2022, they're going to have both guys hold the belt all the way to there, where those two are going to fight for a title unification. It's interesting, like the push for a title unification, I wouldn't be surprised because WWE is lowering the amount of people they have yeah. like there's been firings happen happening left right and center um and going for a total unification and making the product a bit smaller i think with a smaller roster is a lot of sense um my issue is when they've got acts that can have a belt that aren't appearing much they wouldn't want they'd want to have two major belts unless they're going to build up the ic and us title again well they could do that but my theory just pretty much is to the two main belts because I know for a fact they're copying a lot of criticism for uh, having two belts mm. from from the smarks, admittedly, but less from the general audience. They are making a boatload in merchandising by having two belts, but it makes sense to me anyway, in the storyline of what they're mm-hmm. doing is putting Brock, uh, not Brock, Bobby as this unstoppable monster and Roman as this champion that will do anything to win and can be unstoppable in moments like he was at WrestleMania when he literally stacked on edge on top of Randy, on top of uh, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. And what, I'd, them. what I'd like to see is... Like, when is Survivor Series? November. See, I don't think it's going to go till next year's, mainly because there's one big factor, and I really don't want them to screw it up, and that's Big E. Yeah, they... I think... They won't screw it up, but I think what's going to happen is he's going to lose his cash in. 
I honestly do believe that. It's going to be that I was almost there, but I wasn't good enough kind of moment. And it's going to lead to the New Day Triple Threat at Mania. Then he's going to win the Royal Rumble after that. So the 2023 Mm -hmm. Rumble. But it's not going to be the end of the New Day. It's going to be like more of a see how good you are. You beat a former world champion. You beat Xavier Woods kind of thing. Have the only thing I the only thing I do for that winner. the only thing I do for that is have Xavier Woods actually holding one of the lesser titles around that stage, like IC or US. Yeah, or twenty four. Uh, no, I wouldn't bother with the twenty four. <laughs> there's like I love the twenty four seven title, but. There's no grandeur in it. Like, it doesn't yeah. really elevate someone. It's more just for a few comical moments. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, have it so he's holding one of the lesser belts. So it actually makes him a bit more of a credible threat because at the moment, of the three members of the New Day, he is the least credible, um, he... which is a shame because he's, he's amazing in the ring. He's great in the ring, great on the mic, fantastic performer. But his – I guess his um, – I guess his – accolades and his prizes that he's won are not at the level that his capabilities are. Yeah, true. But if there's there's a YouTube channel called Parts Fun Known. It's uh, hosted by Adam Blompier and the guys at WrestleTalk. But mm. uh, they have a, uh, a series out at the moment called uh, Booking Warfare, pretty much. And on the latest episode of Booking Warfare, they actually pitch the New Day Triple Threat, and they don't include titles, but they, in the storyline, make you realize how important Xavier Woods is to the New Day. Like mm. if the new, if he didn't exist, the New Day wouldn't have been a thing. Kofi Kingston probably would be in AEW or on the Indies. He would have been fired by now, like because he wasn't doing anything. Big E just would have fallen down the card like so many muscle men before him. Mm. Xavier Woods gave them the opportunity to be the New Day. He introduced Budios. He introduced the Trumpets. He introduced the Pancakes. He no, was the, the crazy the, pa- yeah, the Pancakes idea was, yeah, yeah. he is a lot of the brains behind a lot of their weird gimmick moments. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, I think I do agree with you on that, but... The average person doesn't see that. That's and seeing right. Xavier Woods with a decent title reign, even if it is just before all this all happens, just to have it so that he's a credible threat to the two. Yeah. Because yeah. he's not as agile as Kofi Kingston. He's not as strong as Big E. He's kind of less than both. Like he's like he's like your little he's the redheaded stepchild. <laughs> I would I would uh, he might be as agile as uh, Kofi. Like he's run in TNA as uh, Austin Creed. Austin Creed, yeah. Uh, consequences that Creed. Run, consequences, not Austin. Yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that run showed me that he could really go in the ring. Cause oh, he can. At first, I thought, oh, fucking another mouthpiece. I don't want to see that. Then I remembered, oh, yeah, he was in TNA. And then I remembered back, and I watched some of his matches back, and I thought, well, fuck me, he can really go. Mm. That's why I'm saying, like, show people that he can go before they give him that next step. 
the yeah. next step of the triple threat. But um, what I'd love to see for Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley at Survivor Series, if they do do it, make it an Iron Man match. Like, yeah, I just to because both of them are shown as these absolute powerhouses. Let's see them take it to the limit. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of IMM matches. They go for too long, and if the performers aren't up to it, so to speak, it's not that good. Like, yeah, they, it is a lot of cardio. <laughs> the Sean versus Brett one, I think, is meh. The uh, Triple H versus Rock one, meh. The Brock versus Kurt Angle one is gold. Yeah, but you also got to look at the performers. You like um, both Kurt and Brock. I like both Tri- Triple H and The Rock. I just you think said The that... Rock is overrated. You said you your words, if I remember correctly, were that he was average in the ring. He is average in the ring. He's overrated as all fuck, but I still <laughs> like him to an extent. Fair enough. But Triple um, H is fucking gold in that ring. Oh, Triple H is great. He's always been a fantastic heel. Didn't like his overbooking of himself at that state at one <laughs> stage, but um, what he do you seems, expect? He's come across as much more humble these days. He does, and it's kind of heart wrenching the way that uh, NXT's soul has been ripped out of his hands. Yeah, and it's that new logo is fucking disgusting. I'm uh, sorry, I'm not people that... are calling it cool. People are saying that they're not fast with it, but to me, it's not NXT. To me, it's a reaction to Dynamite. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see everything and how it happens. Um, but yeah, do you like my idea of R-Truth as um, Brock's manager? I really do like it. I don't think necessarily it will happen. Oh, I, but I can do guarantee like it. it won't. But I think it'd be really... I, I just think it'd be great. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there's so many routes they can take with the Brock storyline. But, yeah, WWE will fuck it up somehow. They always do. Hey, 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 they brought RK Bro back together. True, true, they did. And they won the belts. Who said they'll win the belts? Actually, we both did. Yeah. Fuck. Um... <laughs> Money, yeah, money, money. Though, um, one thing I'm kind of hoping for, because recently Naomi's been moved to SmackDown. Yep. And they've already wrecked her. I kind of want her to win the championship and join the bloodline. So do I. So do I. I think that would be fucking awesome. And then but as a third... I don't think they will do that, because WWE always fuck it up. And then as a third, even though it's... um. Two performers I'm not a big fan of. Um, Tamina and Nia becoming women's tag team. And introducing Natalia. Oh, sorry, Nia. Oh, yeah, because they're all related. They're all mm-hmm. part of the Anawahi family. They've all got links to it all. So, yeah, it would be a way to keep the bloodline there like that. Or, But I don't think she's got the... um mouthpiece sort of skills to do it have a as like the um owen heart of the nation of domination i have natalia in there for it but natalia in the mic what was that 
Oh, if um they decide to keep Natalia and Tamina together, have them join up with that, and she effectively becomes the Owen Hart in the nation. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, cool. I uh I think that will work very well. It's uh like I said before, WWE will fuck it up somehow. That I think <laughs> knowing Vince being the sexist. Oh, he's not that much of a sexist anymore. But Laurinaitis is. Uh, they will go, oh, women in the bloodline. Fuck that. Yeah, but... Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. I'd like to see it because I like stables that have a mix of characters in there and the women add such a huge different element. It's like having China in DX added so much to it, and she was the muscle of the group, which was still quite bizarre. But yeah, China was one of the things that I feel made DX work. Like you had these two freaking childish boys and this woman who could just like, yeah, no, no, you're going to stand back um, and you wouldn't go near. And that kept going throughout the thing. And then like... I'm a big fan of China as a wrestler. Like, didn't have the greatest moveset or everything, but as a performer, she did so much for women's wrestling. Yeah. Um, she had her wrestling actual women. She preferred to fuck on men. I would have... Yeah, well, that's because she wouldn't be as worried about hurting them because they, they were her sort of size. Yeah. And yeah, also, plus, some of the women around that time were there just for looks, not for actual skill. Or I would um, say more 100% of the women were there. I would say... Skill. I wouldn't say 100%. Jacqueline was pretty solid in the ring. Yeah, but um, she, I guarantee you, she was looked at before she was hired oh, for yeah. skill. Same with um, Oh, Same with Trish. Yeah, oh yeah. Trish was hired... This is what people don't understand. She was hired as a model before she was hired as a wrestler. Yeah, and then her She's wrestling skills person. came out. But she's a great wrestler as well. Mm. Um, Same with Lita. Lita is my one of my probably my all time favorite West women's wrestler, and yeah. probably in my top five all time actual like I shouldn't say actual. She's an actual wrestler, but in my top five wrestlers, not easily number one female wrestler. But she was hired for her miscongeniality stick in ECW. She mm. was the J string wearing mouthpiece for the Hardy Boys. Make the boys like Team Extreme by looking at the girl with the J string, mm. and then actually see what Team Extreme would do and be like, "Oh, this is awesome! Yeah, this exactly. team's got everything." Yeah, exactly. and it was a way to tap into kids who are into the alternate sort of look. Yeah, yeah, it all made sense. Yeah, but yeah, like um, but yeah, they. Yeah, what China did for wrestling was amazing, and I would have loved to. Have, I don't know if it ever actually happened. Her, but I, yeah, I don't think it ever happened in TNA. But her versus Awesome Kong. I know she had one match in TNA, but that was a mixed tag. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, with Kurt Angle and they versus were taking on Jarrett. Or was it Jarrett? I thought it was Jarrett, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it might have been Jarrett. For a second there, I was thinking it was Desmond Wolf, but that was probably after he got uh, hepatitis and had to retire. Um, 
Yeah, it would have been Jarrett and probably someone else, but it wasn't Orson Kong, unfortunately. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, just... you're right. That would have been a great match. Mm. Seeing two absolute powerhouse women in wrestling doing that, like even China these days, like I'd love, like if she was still around, rest in I peace. I was going to say China <laughs> these days is would be pretty hard up to get in that ring. Hey, hey, hey! How many times has the Undertaker risen from the dead? I rest my case. I don't know if we can go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, controversy creates cash. That's what Eric Bischoff always said. Yeah, that um, book's amazing, by the way. Okay. I have a signed copy on my shelf. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, <laughs> even seeing China come back and absolutely destroy someone like Nia Jax, who's been pushed as a monster woman. Yeah. That would yeah. have been awesome. But yeah, it's not like they book women's wrestling very well. I mean, look at what they've done to Shayna Baszler. Yeah, I know, and it's all because, reportedly, Vince doesn't like her. Yeah, I know, it's weird. Yeah, because she doesn't have, like, a visual sex appeal sort of thing. Like, there's... Yeah, and he doesn't believe a woman can be a believable monster unless she's the size of Nia Jax. Or China, or... Yeah, like... Yeah. And I get where he's coming from with that, but... What she did in the Elimination Chamber made her look like an unstoppable monster. Or even the Royal Rumble a month before that. Mm. And when she, was it, yeah, when she took a bite out of Becky Lynch. Exactly. The worst thing they ever did was not give her the belt at WrestleMania against Becky. <coughs> and have Becky fighting for it. Or, even better, like, almost recreate a whole Stone Cold at Steve Austin thing and have her screwed over for the thing and have Shayna the um, company's champion and then her going after an authority figure and having, yeah, like just constantly getting at Stephanie McMahon sort of thing. Just recreate the Mr. McMahon character in Miss McMahon or Miss Levesque if you want to. And um, yeah, it could have been really good, I think. It's It could be cool, but I've always thought of this uh, in that scenario, because I have actually brought this in my mind, Shayna Baszler is the Steve Austin, and Becky's the Rock. The Becky is the better on the mic than Shayna. Hmm. Shayna is the more believable badass. Mm, I'm sorry, very but true. like, I see Becky, and even though I guarantee you she could kick my ass. I hard, when I see her, I, like yeah, I could put up a fight. When I say Shayna, I think, well, I'm gonna die. Yeah, she could have been booked as the women's Brock. Yeah, exactly. and she and she's got the background to back it up. Like, yeah, even her in the bloodline, she has that three with Naya. So her being the one heart in the bloodline as the hero, as the woman that. Keeps overshadowing the uh, Usos, and that's what creates the tension in the bloodline. Mm. If you know what I mean, take all the heat away from Roman for a bit with the uh, overbearing bullshit. Have the Usos get jealous. I just had a really interesting thought. Did it hurt? Oh, a little bit, but I think <laughs> it. I think it, it. It's really interesting. So, um. Big E puts out the um, contract on Bobby. Yeah. They're having the match. 
Bobby's about to lose. Big E's about to hit a thing. The New Day's there. New Day turns on Big E and joins the Hurt Business. Ooh. It could work, but I think it's like a Stone Cold situation. Like, is that right? Becky Lynch should be more modern. Uh, the crowd just won't boo them. Or they might boo Xavier. They won't boo Kofi. I think they'd boo Kofi if he was to attack Big E. In the Big moment, e for... yeah, but going forward, no. Going forward, I've, I've heard them boo Kofi. Yeah. When New Day first started his heels, they booed him hard with some of the shit that he said. That was because he had the other two mouthpieces. No, he was even say. mouthing off to the crowd and everything. Like, um, I think they were in Tennessee, and he's just turning around and just ragging on country music. And, yeah, the people in Tennessee were just going nuts. Like, they were just going off at him. Like, seriously, check out some of the stuff, like, when he was a healer, when he would actually do the talking. He actually didn't do too bad. Yeah, yeah. For Don't someone who's not known for being he's great, a great on the performer, mic. and he will always be a great performer. I just, especially with some of the stuff they did going forward, the mm. crowd won't boo New Day. I don't think anyway. They might. I, I've been wrong several thousand millions of times in my life, but I just don't think they will. Or have Xavier turn, Kofi in between, and that sets up the three-way battle. Yeah, that could work, actually. The uh, the tweener, of the face and the heel. Mm. Well, I wouldn't even have him as a tweener. I'd still actually have him as more either like a reluctant heel... Or a confused face. So that he's in that position of like, who do I side with? Like, both these people are my brothers. That's pretty much a tweener in that situation. Well, yes and no. Like, when I tweener, I think more of someone like, they're usually like the anti-hero character. Yeah. Like, they're more a Stone Cold character. They're more a, um, I guess, Kevin Owens at one stage was very much rocking the tweener. Yeah. Um, Randy Orton. Randy Orton, perpetual tweener. Um, I think he's the only one that stayed the same character for this long. Well, I don't know. Stone Cold did. Oh, yeah. Stone Cold stayed that same damn character for ages, and The Rock was the same character for the entire time. It's just no, who he not was. the entire time. It was the same character. It's just who did he turn his mic skills towards. Yeah, true. That's what it was. Otherwise, he was always the same character. Like, nothing really changed with The Rock. It was just who he targeted. He was the same character once he came back from injury. Mm. Because before that, he was rocking Maya Villa. Yep. And the crowd fucking hated him. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose, like, what I mean by tweener is, like, the tweener is in like he does the face antics of Kofi, he does the heel antics of Big E, or whatever it was. Uh, Xavier as Xavier. the heel. Yeah, that's right. And Kofi does the heel <coughs> antics of Xavier and the mm. face antics of Big E, and he's like the bridge between the two characters kind of thing. And he's yeah. the thing that's holding the new day together. So I think there is a way you can do that triple threat without breaking up the new day. Because mm. they cash cows. And that's how Vince will see it. But also, as far as like being a fan goes, they I do not ever want those guys to break up. I'd like to see them evolve their shtick a little bit. Like they've currently stagnated, like 
oh, the yeah. earlier New Day evolved a lot, like, and it did different things. Like, it started with the Bootios, there was Francesca, there was the Pancakes. At the moment, they're a bit stagnant. Like, they're not adding much to their yeah. overall thing. Like, don't get me wrong, I do believe in the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, they're not progressing as much. Or they, they should definitely evolve. Definitely. Mm. But they, I don't think they should break them up. No, absolutely not. Um, Let the fans uh, keep something special. The one thing I, well, the two things I want to see happen. Well, one thing I wanted to see happen was to see um, Bo Dallas join them. Yeah. I'd have loved that. Um, but I actually really liked Bo Dallas. I thought he was a really entertaining performer. Um, and then <laughs> the other thing I would love to see is with Bailey being the heel at the moment, them actually turning Bailey back into the hugger like a New Day exorcism. <laughs> that could work. That could work. It's especially or, now that she's out in injury and can grow her hair back. Or do that for Alexa. Um, Alexis, Alexa Bliss. Yeah, although all reports are that Alexa wants out of the company. Really, that's interesting. Yeah, she became really good friends with Bray Wyatt, and. Uh, he was pretty much in charge of her character, and now he's gone. She's in limbo and doesn't know what to do because she can't bring up the uh, Fiend in any of the promos. She can't do any of the Fiendish stuff because hmm. they don't want to draw attention to Bray Wyatt. Yeah, that's... She's kind of stuck in limbo. I hope they figure out a way to get her out of it soon because... Alexa is fit to WWE. There are certain wrestlers that you just know are going to make all the money over an AEW, like CM Punk, like Daniel Bryan. Like they make a lot of money no matter where they go. Punk. Yeah, exactly. Or like Daniel Bryan is going to have 12 star matches in New Japan against Okada and Tanahashi and a bunch mm. of others. Naito, uh, Ibushi, uh, Walt Ospreay, for fuck's sake. I can literally go on forever with how many good matches he's going to have over there. But then you've got certain wrestlers like, uh, dare I say, Bray Wyatt, like uh, Alexa Bliss, like uh, The Rock, like John Cena, who are just made for WWE. Yeah, like, Alexa doesn't have the indie chops to be able to go through. Like, oh. If she was to improve her craft, but she's never been the most strong in the ring. Her mic works what has made her. Yeah. Yeah. The Before the Score podcast is now on Patreon. There are six tiers to choose from, ranging from $1 to $100. $1 gets you just to help. $3 gets you a shout-out in every episode, except for the episodes in the next tier. $10 gets you your choice. You choose the topic, and I record a solo episode dedicated to you with no ads or other Patreon shout-outs. $15 is produce it up. You get the opportunity to 
choose the week's topic and the co-host. The code should be attainable and knowledgeable on the subjects. 26 spots available. $50 gets you the VIP co-host position. Three spots available. $100 is make the school podcast your own. You and a person of your choosing make an episode. You can even change the intro music and artwork and you can edit or ask Tom to edit to your specifications. Go to patreon.com before IWC and you will get to our landing page. That's patreon.com before IWC. Please support us so that we can continue to provide you with quality content each and every week. So we're having so I've got some questions for you regarding Australian music and the idea behind it all is looking at the penultimate like if we were to talk like I'm going to go through genres and if I was to say the band that represents that genre for you from Australian music who like who'd be the number one representative of that genre okay um so starting it off I'm going to start with the Australian artist that you think best represents country for Australia uh for Australia Mm. Uh, so all of these are based on Australia, like so. It's like the number one of each genre for Australia. Okay, goddamn, I fucking hate country. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan either, but you got to appreciate its spot and what it's done for music. Well, there's either Keith Urban or Lee Cunningham. Really, no Slim Dusty. Oh fuck, I forgot about Slim. <laughs> I really do not like country. <laughs> I, what about uh, Casey Chambers? <laughs> nah, fuck Casey. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was the response I wanted. Uh, <laughs> seriously, if I want to hear cats in pain, I'll just go to a shelter. Um, <laughs> if I want to hear cats in, oh no, I won't finish that thought. Uh, <laughs> continue. So, who are you going to say is the number one for country? You can't get uh, out of it. Uh, probably Keith Urban. Keith Urban, okay, fair enough. He's the most famous out of all, like internationally famous. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Three. See, if I if I was to go anyone, I'd probably go Slim Dusty because of what he did for Australian music. But yeah, but yeah, like both big artists. So yeah, not denying that. Okay, come in with a big gun right out of the gate. Sorry? You hit me with a big gun right out of the gate. I'm kind of going like time periods and working my way forward from that. Um, okay, the next one I'm going to say is um, early rock and roll in Australia. Uh, probably the Easy Beats. I was, I was thinking the Easy Beats, though. Um, I was also thinking Johnny O'Keefe. Yeah, yeah. But then again, the Easy Beats, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have ACDC, so... Yeah, or Vander and Young, or Stevie well, Wright. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm Easy Beast. No debate from me there. Okay, next up is classic rock. Define classic rock. So let's go with the like the typical Aussie pub rock bands. Oh shit! Uh, there are two huge ones in this genre. Uh, there's ACDC. And there's Cold Chisel. I knew those would be the two. <laughs> oh, Though in fuck. excess. Uh, I will put I will put them later. I wouldn't say I would say them more pop rock than yeah, very classic much so. pop rock. But I'm gonna have to go with ACDC. 
Good, we can still be friends. <laughs> I I was thinking Cold Chisel, but then I thought, no, they have done nowhere near as much. Like they're iconic in Australia, but ACDC are iconic around the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, the next one on my list was... Well, let's go with just... Instead of pop rock, we're going to go first pop. Who do you think would be the most iconic Aussie pop artist or group? Ah, uh, I'm trying to think because I'm not too up on pop music. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe Kylie Minogue? You'd go Kylie? Yeah, Um, Kylie is a big one for it. Um, No Savage Garden? Oh, shit, I forgot about them. <laughs> uh, no, I'll still go Kylie. I'll still go yeah. Kylie. They were both huge internationally, but yeah, Kylie for me. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that Kylie's still going and still yeah. relatively there, like, um, what's his name from? Who's the lead singer? Darren Hayes. So, Darren Hayes, yeah. He's kind of disappeared from the limelight. Though, yeah. Um, so absolutely hilarious moment when they were talking about you know you remember back when it was the NRL grand final and they were getting um Macklemore for it yeah and he was doing he was going to sing same love there and Tony Abbott's all up in arms because Tony yeah and he's saying oh why can't we get a good Aussie band like Savage Garden and it's like your issue with them is with Macklemore as he sings about same love have you seen anything of Darren Hayes he is. Like almost as gay as like Elton John, the man is very, very homosexual. Yeah, and yet, exactly. And yeah, those two were lovers for the longest time. As were well. they? I never knew that. I didn't ever knew that Tony Abbott and um, Darren Hayes were lovers. Yeah, it surprised <laughs> me actually. But no, nah, uh, Darren's actually supposed to be like one of the nicest guys in Australian music, and I've always wanted to meet him, not because the whole homosexual thing, but because he is this huge talent in the industry mm. that never really got tapped. Like Savage Garden had two albums and then They had more than that, didn't they? No, two or maybe three. But I'm I definitely You know I've got to check two. now. But going. they kind of got he when they when he came out, he kind of got thrown to the wayside, if you know what I mean. Like he's well, yeah, doing he... things here and there, but he's mm. not really what he was in the nineties, even the early two thousands. Um. So there was Savage Garden. There was Affirmation. Yeah. After Affirmation, after Affirmation, it was the best of. Wow. Yeah, so they've only got two studio. Then they had the singles, which is pretty much a best of. Yeah, wow. Well done to them to be that iconic with only two albums. It's like. Exactly. They kind of proved that you don't need to be this huge thing. They took the most divine approach. You don't need to produce all this shit to be great. Because if you look up Mr. Bean, here's a little bit of trivia for you. There is only, I think it's 15 episodes. Of what, sorry? Mr. Bean. Are you including the um cartoon series? No. No. <laughs> of the mainline series with live action Rowan Atkinson, there are only 15 episodes. Um, So Daniel Jones, the other member of um 
Savage Garden. He's married to um, Kathleen from High Five. Oh, wow. I thought that were uh, together. They mustn't have been. It must have been someone else. No. That's not... I wasn't saying that as an insult, by the way, to all the people listening, because I have copped a little bit of flack for some of the shit that I've said in the past. I cop messages. By the way, I want to point out, I've never thrown out my daughter's ice cream. That was a joke. And <laughs> that people took me very, very seriously, and I got yelled at from certain people for saying that I pretty much abused my daughter for calling wrestling fake. I didn't, by the way. Most of the shit I say should not be taken seriously. <laughs> or at least that seriously. More importantly, have I gotten any complaints yet? Because I haven't seen any. Uh, no, these were just people that knew me and directly messaged me. And be like, dude, you did what to your daughter? I'm like, I didn't fucking do that. Anyway, let's continue with the questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Though I think you're enjoying these questions. Yeah, I am. Um, so the next one is, okay, and this one's going to be a very easy one. Number one grunge band of Australia. Fuck. Uh, you would think that would be easy, but there are three that come to mind. Because I fucking hate the ones that I'm going to say. I've met them, they're arrogant. Well, at least one of them is an arrogant prick. <laughs> Uh, is it some kind of metallic throne? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, just joking. Of course it is. It's Silverchair. The other two were Grinspoon and Powderfinger. Uh, I wouldn't. They're not grunge. I wouldn't put them in. The, I'd put them in like a more modern rock. But I would not put either of them as grunge. I would put Grinspoon, especially early Grinspoon, in grunge and. Yeah, I can putting them in my, putting Powderfinger in modern rock. Yeah, yeah, I get. It. But yeah, so, yeah, silver chair, silver chair. Yeah, that was a pretty obvious one. Um, pop rock, pop rock. Uh, fuck. We spoke about them earlier. You can't really go past the masters of in excess. Yeah. Plus, my mum used to drink with Michael Hutchins. So yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, now. Unfortunately, he's not my real dad. Uh, <laughs> um, like, all I've got from him is like the fact that like I've got long, I've got curly hair, and I like choking myself. That's all I've got in common with him. Um, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, guaranteedly. But anyway, <laughs> let's keep moving on. I'm just gonna say allegedly, so we don't get sued by his estate because they're so happy. Okay. <laughs> Um, so the next one is Modern Rock. Uh, define Modern Rock. I'd probably go from the 90s to now. Mm. Like, there's a lot of entries in there that all had their really good moments. Like, the two that we spoke about before being Grinspoon and, um... Powderfinger. Powderfinger. But then you've also got, um... Indie darlings like um, Spider Bait. Oh shit! I wouldn't even call them indie darlings. And they were Jack, at first. And Wolfmother. Fuck. Um. Mind you, Spider Bait have probably made more money than all of them combined. What about Wolfmother? Oh fuck me. <laughs> uh, 
I'm I'm gonna have to go Living End. I was gonna put Living End in punk. Oh, then fuck it. I'm gonna go for uh, no because I have another punk band as well. Fuck. Uh <laughs> Do you both yeah, love me and hate me right now? I do. I do. I'll I'll go Powderfinger for for modern rock. Yeah, that's a fair one. I think that one is such a toss-up of artists. It is. Um, it is. That's a hard one. <laughs> okay. Um, this one because there isn't as much of an appearance in it, so I'm going to make it a bit broader. Um, mainly because of just um the strongest woman in Australian rock, like the biggest woman in Australian rock. Oh, fuck. it's not a huge category, but there's because like older music sort of stuff was generally pretty sexist about women in rock, like, yeah, and still is quite that way. But um, there I are a couple of pretty iconic appearances. I can't remember her name. I'm just getting the name Missy Hyatt in my head, but that's she's a wrestler. <laughs> Are you thinking Missy Higgins? No, no, no. Fuck no. Ah. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah, she's more pop or folk sort of thing. Like. She's shit as well. Uh, I don't mind her. <laughs> oh, good for you. You're the, you're the one who bought her album. I didn't uh, buy it. I never said that. <laughs> um, are you thinking Chrissy Hines? From the from, Divinals? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what my thought was as well. But, yeah, I just wasn't sure where you were going with it. Um, okay, Australian blues. Ooh, like modern uh, blues. Yeah. Uh, I've got an indie darling that I love called Claude Hay. Yeah, Claude Hay is amazing, but he hasn't exactly made it huge. Uh, compared to yeah. a lot of others on the list, unfortunately. Don't get me wrong, I'd put Claude Hay up there amongst anyone. We should get him on sometime. We should, we should. I might talk to him. He was supposed to be down here until the whole global bastard Ooh, hit. So I've just had something brought up, both in Aussie Rock and Women in Rock. What about Magic Dirt? Yeah, they got the Claude Hay symptom. They couldn't sell a show out to save their lives. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, back actually, on the Aussie no, Blues. That, that, Claude, I can do that. I've seen him do that. Magic Dirt or worse. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I booked them for a gig. They're really, really, really lovely people. Just, they overprice themselves like crazy. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to stay with the Diviners for that one. From Blues, like the obvious one that is popping in my head is John Butler, but he's a dick. Like... <laughs> He's kind of the weak, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, as far as that goes, I'm going to go. Ah, uh, fuck. Ah, uh, Pete Murray. <laughs> no, Xavier Rudd. Xavier Rudd. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go him. He's the closest can that, I can yeah. get to claw on that level. So I'm gonna yeah, go with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Aussie punk, which we kind of touched on before. Yeah, you've got a few in this category. You've got Friends of Rom. You've got uh, mm. Living End. You've got, to a lesser extent, actually to a perfect extent, you've got Midnight Oil. Ah, uh, fuck. Well, they—I wouldn't say they were punk. They were more the classic pub rock, but they had punk elements of like fighting the thing. But their style was not punk. Simple chord progressions. Skinny dude who can't really sing that well. Oh, he could sing well, he just couldn't dance. 
Oh, but there's, I would say there's, there's arguments for both there. Um, <laughs> the punk singers have been able to sing for ages. I mean, Billy Joe Armstrong and Older Note. Yeah, true, true. Ah, oh, fuck me. For punk, yeah, I'm going to have to go to Living End. Not going really to go Irish folk punk and not going to go Irish folk punk and say the rum jacks? Nah, they're dicks. I've, I've heard that. Like, I've heard their music. Like, I love their music, but like the lead singer did some time in prison, I think. Yeah, for, for um, beating up his wife. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I refuse to buy any of their stuff. Yeah. Um, same goes for R. Kelly um, and anyone, and Gary Glitter and the like. But anyway, let's R. just Kelly keep going. R. Kelly didn't beat up anyone. He just pissed on a girl. Have you not heard the most recent stuff? His whole like underage sex cult? No, I haven't had to, heard that. <laughs> yeah. But either way, I still don't own any Kelly things and I don't know anything the dude's done, so fuck him. Um, I believe I can fly. Uh, um, That's R. Kelly. Is that Space and... Jam? Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, and I the... don't associate that with R. Kelly. I associate that with Space Jam. Yeah. And yeah. the Ignition remix. I don't know that. The remix to Ignition and popping fresh out the kitchen. I pissed on a 14-year-old and everyone was bitching. I think that's the lyrics. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, I think I've heard that. You would have heard it. Give me that toot toot. I'm going to go pee pee. Um, yeah, it's something like that. <laughs> I, more, the more I know about R. Kelly is from South Park and the Chappelle Show. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all you need to know, really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next one, and this one's probably a pretty easy one for you, Australian metal. See, you'd think that would be easy. That's fucking hard. There are so many iconic Australian metal bands. There's Model Sin, there's Bremlin, there's Alchemist, there's King Parrot in the modern era, Psychroptic, Bloodust, uh, uh, fuck, I can literally go on forever. It's aggression. Uh, fuck me. What about Sunk Lotto? You there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I just can't believe you said that. Sunk Lotto are an Aussie alternate metal band. Yeah, yeah, they're Aussie and they're alternate. And they're a metal band. Oh, sorry, they're Aussie, they're alternate, and they're metal. I wouldn't necessarily say they're a good band. I never said they were good at all. Those were your words. Hey, you're the one that told me to include them in the list. I didn't. I said, what about? I was just pushing the um, conversation forward. Oh, but if we're also going alternative, you've got bands like 28 Days. Well, I was gonna, my next step was actually going to say new Metal, hoping for 28 Days. Well, yeah, they're my pick for new Metal. Ah, oh, fuck me. <laughs> oh, what about God. the Test Eagles? And you got, uh, what's the name from Melbourne? Um, oh, I can't remember their names. Frankenbock? Oh, you got Frankenbock as well. They're, they're mates of mine. Mm. They're good fellas. So Deprivation. Like, yeah, but uh, I love Deprivation. They're one of my favorite Aussie bands. Same with Red Bee. Fuck me. I, I forgot Red Bee and that. <laughs> Do you want me to come back to this one? Yeah, let me think. Hang on, wait. Is it a band from now or just most iconic over time? Iconic over time. I mean, we brought up the Easy Beats. The Easy Beats aren't a thing anymore. Yeah, true. 
Uh, as far as over time, Mortal Sin. But we're going to okay. see the rise of King Parrot and Redby to be taking their place. Fair enough. Well, I'm glad we could finally get an answer for that one. Um, okay, <laughs> hip-hop and rap. Oh, fuck me. Um, there are two kings in this uh, in this genre for me. And I don't know if you're thinking the same thing. One is the Hilltop Hoods, obviously. Yeah, I was thinking Hilltop Hoods straight away. And the other is uh, Butterf- Butterfingers from uh, Ipswich and... <laughs> In, uh, yeah, Brisbane. Butterfingers. I fucking love. I love Butterfingers and Evil Eddie. Fantastic. They're hilarious. Um, but the Hilltops have done way more for the hip hop industry in Australia. Yeah, and their success has been bigger. Um, yeah, this isn't about your personal like. It's about yeah. what they, how big they are, and what you think is the best example. Like if you were to put on a show where each thing had one person of one band of each genre. How would you set it up to get the most people in? Then probably Hilltops. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong, I love the Hilltop Hoods, but I just think um, Butterfingers doesn't get anywhere near the amount of credit it's deserved. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. That song, Every Time, is fucking golden. That song, Feed Jam, Your Mama, uh, I Love What or I Hate What. What is it? Fucking I can't I, remember off the top of my head. I Love What? Yeah, it's I Love What. It's the Fig Jam is the sequel to I Love What, and that's been confirmed by the band. And the, mm. all, all of them are nice fucking guys. I worked with them back in 08, and oh my god, they are so nice. It's gonna say, should we try and get Evil Eddie on? He'll probably say yes. Actually, I would you should try. go for it. Yeah. Get us a little bit of star power. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Not that trying- the indie wrestlers and musicians that we've had on haven't been star power, just, um, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit bigger name. <laughs> yeah. And who knows, it's- by the end we'll be interviewing Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, God. I'll okay, so I'm <laughs> just think I, I had another one to ask you. Um, I was going to go into, like, EDM and electronic house music, electronic dance music and stuff, but I was like, eh. Not really. It's not in the same sort of thing, if you know what I mean. There aren't really any iconic Australians that do it. Like, you've got David Guetta and you've got Skrillex from America and you've got Daft Punk from France. Like, you had uh, the Prodigy from uh, England. UK. Yeah. What about Peking Duck? And Penal. And fucking... What's the band that came from them? Uh, I kind of remember them. But yeah, you've got a few icons in Australian EDM. It's just more the fact that, I don't know, like a lot of electronic dance music doesn't, I don't know, like you can have, like they're almost separate to a lot of other music genres in my opinion. Yeah. Like, and don't get me wrong, I don't have an issue with it. I'm not saying it's worse. It's just, it's a bit, it just feels a lot different. Yeah. Because it's a lot of the time, it's a lot of the um, production sort of side, and that's what it is, and they're just playing what they've produced at home. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, now the next one, and this is probably the last one, (laughs) is comedy music in Australia. 
Uh, fuck. Oh, that one's hard. There are three that are coming to mind. And then I'll say some and throw you off entirely. Yeah, probably. But uh, the three that are coming to mind are Tripod. Uh, mm-hmm. Who are the other ones? Uh, fuck. I, I picture them in my mind. I just can't think of a name. Axis of Awesome? Yeah, that's it. The Axis. And Kevin Bloody Wilson. Okay, so you're not bringing in Tim Minchin. I I don't mind Tim, but I think he's got one really good song, and that's about it. I'm gonna have to show you a few more then. Um, oh no, I've the... heard all this shit. I just, okay, I'm not a fan. Like, I uh, like I don't think he's shit in any way, shape, or form. He's I just not your cup of tea. Bad. He's just not my cup of tea. Okay, what about the beards? Yeah, that were a thing 20 years ago. Um, Four whole <laughs> albums all about beards. <laughs> yeah, but like... Wasn't even 20 years ago, motherfucker. Like 12, 13 years ago, whatever it was. Fuck them all. Oh. <laughs> uh, let me see. <laughs> Elsewhere. Oh, there's a place called Beard in the... Um... <laughs> Well, the beards formed in two thousand and five, and disbanded in two thousand and sixteen. So six years ago, but they were only good for like three of them. Oh, they got a pretty big <laughs> underground following, but yeah, because beards became a trend. Hmm. Well, I say that while I haven't shaved for like two weeks, and I'm supporting <laughs> a beard. So fuck mm. me, right? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know, because Tim Minchin's Naga, a Ginger song is so good. Like, only Which a one, Ginger sorry? can call another G- oh, Ginger. Prejudice, yeah. Prejudice is amazing. And, like, Tripod were fucking awesome, but I'm struggling to actually think of the name of one of their songs. Same with the Axis. What? What was the last bit, sorry? Same with the Axis. Yeah, theirs was Four Chords. That was their big one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember I'm performing it, but I didn't pop into my head. I think mm. I'm going to go Kevin Bloody Wilson. Not fair. He's got that's one definitely of my, fair. He's got one of my favorite comedy songs of all time. He's Nigel. Fucking legend. <laughs> um. Ooh, I just... Oh, no, no, it doesn't matter. Um, One other thing that I just thought of, where was it? I just... So I was reading something and it made me click to something and now I've forgotten it, so... um, No, it's all good. It's gone. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much what I was doing to just kind of try and um, see what you do and what it'd make you think. I liked it. I liked it. I've got one for you. Like, literally one. I... Prog rock. Australian prog rock? Australian prog rock. I wouldn't be able to tell you off the top of my head any that I'd know, to be honest. Really? You've got yeah. uh, Carnival, you've got Cog, you've got Butterfly Effect. Uh, all, bands I've barely, all bands I've barely listened to. Really? Yeah. Wow. 
like prog is very iffy for me to listen to. Like it's either, I either love it like Tool, or it just comes across as a bunch of wank, or ah. it's been ruined by its fan base for me, like Pink Floyd has. Um, <laughs> Check out Carnival. I think you'll like them, especially Sound Awake. Okay, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah, Sound Awake is a great prog album from start to finish. Mm. And they're all all yeah. really nice guys. Can For the listeners out there, can you tell that I know a lot of Australian musicians? Well, you were booking most of them around Orange and around um, Bateman's, weren't you? Yeah, pretty much. For like, I think it was four, three or four years at Bateman's Bay and like almost ten in Orange. Oh, yeah. fuck. Mold. Mm. But, so, um, yeah, I think that's all my questions. I can't think of any other genres I didn't really touch on. Um, oh, there are thousands. I could go. I could go Australian opera singers, but um, there's really only one that comes to mind for that, and that's Kate Miller Heidke, who's just amazing. Yeah, pretty much. I've met her as well. She was awesome. Oh, I haven't. There you yeah. Go. Um, I met her at Blues Fest at the signing tent, and my mum was a big fan and got a video sent back home to my mum for um, her birthday and stuff. And then um, on top of that, have you heard Kate Miller-Heidke cover Rage Against the Machine? No. Yeah, she she covers, like she does um, Killing in the Name of, and she'll also cover um, Real Slim Shady. Um <laughs> Oh, I kind of got to hear that now. And she did a song with the beards called I'm Growing a Beard Downstairs for Christmas. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, but yeah, oh. absolutely. She's great. And like, really good sense of humor with it all, too. And yeah. when she actually does a serious song and you hear her vocal ability, like, she's amazing. She was also in, um, when um, Jerry Springer the Musical came to Australia, she was in that. Ah, oh, okay. And when you hear someone with a beautiful, perfect, vo- perfect pitch voice um, singing the word "cunt" over and over again, it's um, pretty impressive, to be honest. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome! Mm. It's just a shame that that uh, musical isn't running anymore. Although I really want to see Hamilton. Um, yeah, like, I've softened a lot to musicals these days. Um, I used to be pretty annoyed with them, but that's because my sister had played Grease at every opportunity. <laughs> um, but then I saw things like um, Rocky Horror Picture Show and um, Little Shop of Horrors and um, Repo Man the Musical, and I enjoyed all of them a lot just because that horror evil element, which is always something I love. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's. You there? Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're done, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just got to cut it off into nothing. <laughs> we just got to figure out what we're gonna do for the punishment, like because well, we, we drew. drew. Does we that drew. mean we do no punishment, or 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 how about the first um, commenter on this? gets to determine what the punishment is and we have to both do it. I don't know because then we'll get things that are stupid, like swim out in the ocean or Oh no no, I'm meaning like challenges are something we have to talk about. Like they have to challenge us like they have to make us like 
talk positive about Justin Bieber or something. <laughs> or um, or pick your favorite songs from like fucking Gary Casey Porter. Chambers. <laughs> uh yeah, that all because next week, and I am editing this week's video. It's just my computer melted down, so. Well, literally, I had to replace the hard drive, so I had to start last week's all over again. You were lucky mm. you got it on Monday. but uh, And then I had to pretty much start this video late, so I'm delayed a little bit, but I'm trying to get back on track. Because uh, next week is supposed to be your week, then my week, the week after. <laughs> but I was thinking it's because we drew, we keep that schedule, but as a punishment, I picked, a video for you you pick one for me yeah okay we're both losers that works yeah um also one thing i just realized about the comedy thing we didn't bring up the doug anthony all-stars oh fuck <laughs> fuck 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 i would oh, fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh god damn maybe oh. we should leave it with that and just leave you um swearing and disappointed in yourself <laughs> oh, yeah Cannot believe I forgot them. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I'll bring up your punishment and then you'll bring up mine, or do you want to do it the other way around? Uh, we'll do it. We'll do it on the next um, the next podcast. We'll discuss each other's punishments, give each other time to come up with something. <laughs> I don't need time. I already figured out mine before oh. the punishment was... Uh, fucking solidified. <laughs> I had multiple ideas and I got to decide on one, so. Yo, you're going to hate me. Uh, yeah. So, Already uh, do. Um, yeah, we're on Twitter now, the at uh, before IWC. We're on Facebook. I changed the address. It is uh, facebook.com forward slash before IWC to make it cleaner and better. Like we just discussed, we're on YouTube. Just look up before it was school on YouTube. We have our top tens. They are fucking awesome. Check them out. They're getting better and better as time goes on. Because so I'm learning more and more about the fucking editing software. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, this week's video will be top 10 uh, professional wrestling championship designs. They're pretty cool. Some of them, I own a couple of them. About four out of the 10, but I want to eventually own all 10. Mm. Eventually. But uh, yeah, so next week we're back here on the podcast. Check us out. Uh, the Patreon ad played earlier on the show. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash before IWC. Support the podcast. Uh, help us buy new gear, better gear, whatever have you. Uh, advertise Alcohol. the show. <laughs> Alcohol. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I've been Tom on Treads from before it was cool. And I've been Shaky J saying goodbye and, yeah, listen to our shit. <laughs> Bye. Bye.